Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. That means that the things that are written in here, even God, our Lord and Savior Jesus, have you ever seen them? No. But faith says that they are more real than anything else in my life. And that's what it means. Faith is a belief even in something that you have never seen, but you know from everything that surrounds it that it is more real than anything else. And I can place my hope in it, and it is the evidence of truth even though I have not seen it. And that's what that scripture means. What blessed are those who have not seen. You remember Thomas, and I love always going back to that because Thomas had walked with the Lord he had walked with those men, and when Thomas did not see the Lord, but the other ones, the other ten did, they said, "We saw the Lord." And, and he said, "I'll not see unless I, I'll not believe unless I what, unless I see it, unless I can put my finger there in his hand and in his side. I'm not going to believe." And in the next week, here appeared the Lord right there, and the the Lord said, "Thomas, come here. Put your finger here and your hand here. I want you to believe." And he bowed down, he said, my Lord and my God. And he said, Thomas, you saw and now you believe. Blessed are all of you folks who without ever seeing yet believe. We're going to talk about a young lady today who never saw anything. But she heard some things and she came to the knowledge of God. She had faith without ever seeing these things and she is a blessed lady of faith that i want you to take notice of today and why because verse 6 of hebrews 11 as it gets ready to go in there it says man we've got some folks for you we've got abel who offered up the better sacrifice by faith than cain did we've got these people that are in here but it says in verse 6 that without that kind of faith it is impossible to please God. Think about that. It is impossible to please God without your working faith, that type of faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so with that, it begins moving on in this chapter of faith. And you got Abraham, and you got Isaac, and you got Jacob. And it talks about how Abraham was called from the Ur of the Chaldees to cross the river and to move on. He lived in tents all of his life, and so did Isaac, and so did Jacob. They never got to see a city that was theirs. The land was promised, but they never actually took physical hold of it, even though they wandered it in tents. But they had a city which was unseen that they knew that they was going to, whose maker is the Lord. And so by faith, they dwelt in those tents. And you know what? We are just pilgrims passing through this land because our home is also that same one. We are not here. We are part of a city that is not seen. And by faith, we are hoping and longing for that. Noah is an example of faith. He's the next one. What is faith? It says, by faith, Noah. So what does that mean? Faith comes by what, Ray Ray? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by what? 
the word of God. So God told Noah something. He said, Noah, there's going to be a flood to come upon the earth. I am going to bring rain. It has not ever rained as of yet. But by faith, not seeing, know this, that it's coming and it will destroy the land. I am not, my spirit is not always going to strive with man. Your days is going to be 120 years and this thing's going to come about and I want you to build a boat to save those who will believe the word that you give them. And it says by faith, when that means he heard the word of God and he moved. It says by faith, he heard and he moved, being divinely warned of God of the things that was coming. He moved with fear to prepare himself an ark for the saving of he and his family wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. And Peter said, whereunto the like figure of baptism doth now also save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but it is the answer of a good conscience towards God. So here we have the evidence of faith, it says, as Noah heard and he did. Abel heard and he offered the more excellent sacrifice. And now I want to introduce you to the star of the show this week. Besides the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that's in this story today is a woman who is called Rahab the harlot. Go down to verse 31. You know, there's only two women mentioned in the entire Hebrews 11 of the chapter of faith. The first one is Sarah, along with Abraham and that journey of faith that they were on. And we talked about her just a couple of Wednesday nights ago, didn't we? We talked about her, we talked about this chapter a little bit and said that there was only two women in it. And I said, here in a couple of weeks, I think we're going to get to her. And here we are. How would you like to have that moniker following you all throughout your life, even into the word of God? The harlot Rahab, Rahab the harlot. That was what, you know why it's in here? I'm going to tell you right now why that is in here. It's not to post shame. God could have left it out. The Holy Spirit could have left it out. He leaves it out in one place, in one place only. And you know where that is? We're going to get to it in our last verse on her. But the reason that it's there is because God wants to be glorified by his grace. He wants to be glorified on his grace and his forgiveness and, and to be exalted for that. And that's the only reason that he has left that here. So in verse 31 of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, but she received the spies with peace. So by faith, something by faith, something, faith comes by what again? Something that she has heard because she hasn't seen it with her eyes, but something that she has heard moved her heart enough to put her life on the line when these officers that we're going to see come to her house from the king himself and says, where are the men that came into your house this day? We saw them. Something moved her by faith to put her life on the line and say, I don't know where there are. Why don't you go that way? She put her life on the line. By faith, it says. She had something that she had to do. I want to tell you this wonderful story then of Rahab the harlot. Turn now with me to Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to cover two chapters today. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> we might be here another hour and a half, but we are. <laughs> 
we're going to cover chapter 1 and 2 a little bit. So in Joshua chapter 1, we got the foundation. Last week, we kind of laid part of it because we talked about Joshua and Caleb, didn't we? And you remember how that they spied out this land, but they didn't have enough faith to cross over. Only two had that kind of faith, and that was Joshua and Caleb. And so for 40 years now, they're going to wander, and they're coming back into this same place where the unbelief was when they didn't cross over. So they've wandered for 40 years, and only Caleb and Joshua's left out of that group. And Moses and God has now anointed Joshua to be the leader. And they have a commission to get ready to go over this Jordan and finally take possession of the land that God has promised to them. That finally, after all of these years, they're getting ready to do it. And verse 1 of Joshua begins our intake of the Word of God this morning on that story. So now... Let's prepare our hearts and our minds. Let's, I'll let you pray for a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for the word of God. And I'll close us out with prayer on this wonderful story that we're about to embark on. Father, we have came here today as your children. We came here today to worship you. To give you all praise, honor, and glory, and to exalt you. You are, as Rahab is going to say, the God of heaven and the God of all this earth. And Father, we realize that and we humbly seek thy face. We humbly want to learn your word so that we can praise you in a better way. We give you everything this day. We empty our heart, our mind, to intake what you breathed out. All scripture is inspired. It is God-breathed, and it is profitable for us. So, Father, we pray that we will breathe it in, what you have breathed out, and it will become a part of our very being, and we will store it up, and it will help us, Father, in this world that we live in. It will help us to live better, and to point folks to you. And so, Father, we pray that you'll be glorified now by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua 1. You know, they're getting ready for the conquest. They're getting ready to cross that river into the promised land, into Canaan's land. And you know those old hymn writers, they, they had me thinking that, that this was heaven, that it was a picture of heaven. You remember that old song? I sung it many times. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way. Love man never dies. There's going to be no sad farewells, no tear-dimmed eyes. Where all is love, where the soul of man never dies. And I'm thinking, man, that sounds like heaven, don't it? I'm going to tell you, we're going to open up this book of Joshua, and all we're going to see is fighting and war and conquest. Does that sound like heaven? No. So let me tell you what's really going on as we get ready to go into this. What's really happening is, I told you, everything that's physical in this Old Testament is spiritually revealed in the New. And what this is, Egypt is like phase one of life. And phase one of life, some people never get out of phase one. Phase one of life is before Christ. It's like B.C. It's before Christ. So phase one is your life in the flesh. 
Phase two is when you come to the knowledge of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's when you get out of Egypt and you cross the Red Sea and you get into the wilderness area. And the wilderness area and Canaan's land are pictures of phase two, this life in Christ. And one is a picture of your, your struggles that you have a struggle with on overcoming. That's the wilderness wandering and the setbacks. That's kind of a picture of that. But when we get mature and as we mature, see, they weren't ready to cross over that first year. They had to wait 39 more years. They had to be taught. We learn. We come to the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We grow in grace and knowledge. And so then as we mature, we cross over Jordan into Canaan. But that's not heaven. That is a land of rest because now we've got enough promises of the word of God that we stand upon that now we are able to take these things. They were so scared to cross over at first. We, when we're young in the faith and not mature in the word, many things scare us and and we have trouble with those things. But as you grow and you are prepared, now when you cross over into that land, you start the conquest of overcoming. And there's going to be some slips and some falls and some hazards that they have as they do that. But that is our life as well, isn't it? But we are now more well prepared to go in and to take this land. And so that's what happens with the spiritual battle. For those of you who think, man, he's spending a lot of time in this Old Testament. We've been in Exodus and we're in Genesis and now we're, we've been in Numbers and Deuteronomy and now we're in Joshua. And I want you to know something. It says that all of these things were written for our learning so that we, through patience and hope, might have some confidence to move on. And I want to tell you something else too. This book of Joshua is mirrored in Ephesians and Revelation. Yes, Revelation. We're going to see part of that today. Joshua, this is a conquest to take the land. There's squatters in this land. This is God's land that he gave to his people, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and said, I'm giving it to your seed, didn't he? But who's sitting in there? We've got Amalekites. We've got Amorites. We've got Hittites. Like I said last week, even termites are in there. We got all of these things in the land that God promised to his people, and we got to run them out. And so what did we say that the name for Joshua was in the New Testament? Yeshua, Jesus, okay. And isn't there another land that this Joshua is going to go into the conquest? We're going to see today that he's going to send two spies into the land we're going to find out that they're not really spies their mission is to be a messenger and a witness what happens in the book of revelation as jesus begins to prepare to take back his rightfully owned world what happens when he's gone to get ready for his conquest who goes out to prepare but what two witnesses get ready to go out into the land This, oh, we're going to mimic a lot of things that goes on in here. 
They're going to march around. We're going to see in a couple weeks. They're going to march around seven times with trumpets. What's in the book? Seven trumpets. Oh, man. So don't just think that these things are old and out of date. These things were written for our learning so you can understand the things that's written over there. You're not going to understand them unless you know about this. And so now we're in this chapter 1. And it, like I said, it mimics Ephesians. And Miss T's going, where in the world are you at? But here we are, still on this page on Ephesians chapter 2. He's going to tell Joshua four times in this first chapter, be strong and of good courage. Only be strong and of good courage, and I'm going to be there, and I'll never leave you and forsake you, and no man will be able to stand against you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. You know what our same thing is? Listen. And you, us, that believe in Christ, he has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin and the things that you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now still works in the sons of disobedience. That's people who are still in Egypt. But you, he passed through that Red Sea. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says that baptized them into Moses through God and started them out into the wilderness. You who were dead in trespass and sin has now just like that been made alive and now you don't walk no longer in that course. And so now that phase one of Egypt is gone. You crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground. And then it says this in verses 4 and 5 of Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even though we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ Jesus, for by grace have you been saved. We're going to see that today with Rahab. But see, this is a picture of... Of Ephesians and it's a picture of revelation to come crossing the Jordan and entering into a restful now walk in this life Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 now it's a conquest to overcome put on your armor right finally my brethren what's he say be strong in the Lord and the power of his might not my might but his might are as we get ready to learn about spiritual warfare, every battle that is in Joshua, every weapon that they have is the same ones that we have right here. And the same admonition that is to Joshua four times to be strong and of good courage, we got right here in Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And if you do that, you will have good courage. And you will be able to take the conquest of the land. And that's what this is about. Because Jesus is coming back to retake his land. That the devil is squatting on right now. And trying to overtake and thinks he's going to do it. But it is not going to happen. Because in the end of Joshua they win. And in the end of Revelation the Lord wins. And so that's where we're starting. Verse 1. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses the servant of the Lord it came to pass that the Lord now spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, who had been faithful assistant to Moses. And he told him, he said, Moses, 
My servant is dead. Now, therefore, Joshua, arise. Go over this Jordan. Take all the people with you into the land that I have given to you. Every place that the sole of your foot will touch is yours, and there not shall one man be able to stand up against you, and I am with you all the days of your life. The same way that I was with Moses, I shall be with you only. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Therefore, be strong and of good courage. This land is for the people and you will go across and divide it as an inheritance just as I swore. God keeps his promises, folks. There ain't a promise in this book that he is not going to keep. Now, I have a suggestion. You don't have to raise your hands because I think about everybody would. But how many want to be happy, to be prosperous, and to have a fulfilled life on this earth? You want that? Really? Really? I'm glad you do because me too. So circle the next two verses and underline them, highlight them, memorize them, because this is the crux of this chapter and these are the most important verses in it. These are promises of God. Each before and after this promise is a promise that the Lord makes that it's from him and I will never leave you and he asks us to do one thing and he's going to take care of us forever. What's it say in verse 7 through 9? Listen. Be strong and very courageous. There you go for the second time. That you may observe to do according to all in the law of Moses, my servant, that was commanded to you. Do not turn to the right hand from it. Do not turn from the left hand from it. But you observe to do all the things that I have told you to do. That, that's a purpose clause, that. What's the purpose by doing all that I've told you and not turning away? What, what's the purpose? That you will prosper. Isn't that what you want? That you will prosper wherever you go. Now that's a promise of God. Then he says, this book of the law, do you know that until right now, we didn't have a book of the law? Before, Moses spent 40 years writing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And now as they're ready to cross over the land, they have the book. You remember last week, or two weeks ago when we had Moses fighting Joshua was down fighting the Amalekites and Moses had to have two folks hold his arms up with the rod so that they would prevail. You remember that? Remember what he said after that? We made a point. It said, write this in the book and whisper it into Joshua's ear because you need to remember these things. So that book that he was writing now is complete. This is the first time in the history of mankind that there's a written word of God to follow. And now God says, I want you to follow my word. I don't want you to go to the left or to the right. I want you to do what I have told you to do. Don't let anyone else try to skewer and throw off. I want you to stay true on the path. And if this is how important this word of the Lord is. That if you do, you will prosper wherever you go. Then he continues on. 
that you will have good success for then if you do and observe all that is according and written in this book, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. That's a recipe for success and prosperity. Follow what I told you to do. Have I not commanded you? Be strong, of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So on each side of the bracket that says, I want you to observe all the things that I have commanded you in this book and don't turn from them. On both sides of it, he said, I am with you forever. Have I not told you so? So be strong and be of good courage while you do what I told you to do. And if you will, I will prosper you and I will fulfill you and, and give you good success. So now, we get down to verse 8. I will make you prosperous and good success. Have I not commanded you? Promise, command, promise. See, God promises twice and asks once. You do it. And this is what's going to happen. So then Joshua, after speaking with the Lord, he began to muster up the men. He was getting his good courage up, and he mustered them up throughout the camp, and he said to his officials, I want you to start providing uh, provisions for yourself, victuals, vittles. I want you to start and getting your weapons of war ready. I want you to get everything ready because we're getting ready to cross over within three days. We're getting ready to go. Now, why was it important for them? Well, we know why, because of the conquest, to get like your, your weapons and your different things ready. But why provisions? Why food? You know why it's going to be vital that they get their vittles? What's been feeding them for 40 years? God has manna. So for 40 years, they've been eating manna. They've not had to get provisions. Manna's getting ready to stop. You know what? Just like the word of God has now been written, now we've got to start taking it in ourselves. God was giving it to them until they got the word, and now they're going to have to get the vittles yourself. So you start, because you're not going to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So now we're getting our vittles ready. We're getting ready to go over, because you've not had to do this way. You've not passed this way before, and you've not had to do this before. So get ready for it. So it's time, and within three days, we're going to get ready to cross over. And now, all of a sudden, this little group of, of part of the tribes of Reuben and Gad and, and half of, um, of Ephraim, they come up and they say, hey, wait a minute, Joshua, wait a minute. And they start reminding him of something. They're reminding him of something that took place back in Deuteronomy, or, or in Numbers 32, excuse me. So back in Numbers 32, see, as they were camped here on this river, getting ready to cross over Jordan, where they were at on this side was pasture land. And these two and a half tribes liked to raise the animals. They had the ox, the sheep, the goat, the cattle. And they were like, woo, we don't want to cross over there. We want to stay over here. There's a lot, a lot of us like that. We want to stay right here where it's comfortable, what we're, what we're good with. And Moses got upset with them. And he, he really laid it on the line to him. And he said, it is not okay for you guys to stay over here while the rest of them have to go and battle for the conquest of the land that the Lord our God gave us. Said, they said, how about this? What if 
we go to war with you, but before we do, we prepare a place here for our families, and we will leave them and our stuff here, but we will cross over, our men of war will cross over with you, and we will fight the entire conquest until the land is eradicated, and then we will come back home, but we will cross over and fight. And Moses said, if you will do that, if you will keep that word, then all honor will be, and after the land is conquered, you can come back to here. So in other words, the military conquest is good. And God ordains the protection of his land. So if you were in the military, we salute you. And so does God. It's a part of his divine establishment. They're getting ready to go on a military conquest. There was no conscientious objectors in the army of the Lord. For the Lord said, no, it is not okay. He told Moses to tell him, you are going to cross over with your brethren and you're going to fight to eradicate the land. And so they did. And now they're reminding Joshua of that promise. And Joshua said, okay, that's, that's good. And now they said, okay, may God be with you like he was with Moses. And we will not go back on our word. And the place is buzzing because they're getting ready to go. Now I want you to turn to chapter 2. Because chapter 2 now, here's where we get going. And as you're, you're turning to chapter 2, I want to tell you what this is going to be a representation of. You remember me telling you before the doctrine of heathenism? See, there's a doctrine of heathenism. And what that says, everybody always has a question in their minds. And a lot of them ask, what happens to those folks who have never heard the word of God? That's never been in a place where there's been evangelists and, and TV or anything like that. What happens to the Hottentots and the people in Asia and Africa and the, the Pacific, the Indonesia and the islands out there? What happens to all of those folks who haven't heard the word of God? Doesn't that, isn't God held accountable for that? No, because of the doctrine of heathenism. One day, maybe I'll just teach you every point because it's, it's kind of, I'll do it on a Wednesday because it's really in-depth and kind of not that exciting, but it provides a lot, of, a lot of truth on what I'm getting ready to tell you now. But on the doctrine of heathenism, it means that anyone who has ever lived, who has drawn a breath, if you have come to a rational thinking process to be able to understand that there is a God then God has made himself evident to you and you have the choice to either believe or to refuse to believe that word and we're going to see that right here with Rahab and with the rest of the people in the town of Jericho so I'm going to give you one example there's like five that I know of there's probably more but I'm going to give you just one on how I can say that that to be the truth. Romans chapter 1. It was on our Berean chapters if you looked at them at the very beginning. And for those that may not know, those Berean chapters are chapters we cover here in a little spot. And you can go read them the rest of the way and understand. I challenge you to read Romans chapter 1 this week. It will tell you the entire story. But here's what the snippet says in verse 20. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen and they are understood. So they are seen and understood by all from the things that God made in creation. Even 
You can even understand his eternal power and Godhead so that there is no one without excuse. And man, that Godhead part stuck out to me this time. I've read that thing a hundred times. I have quoted it. But whenever it said Godhead, that's God in three persons. So it says that even the creation breathes out the power of the Godhead. And there is no excuse for not knowing about the Lord Jesus besides God and the Holy Spirit as well. There is no one at any time on the face of this earth because as I've told you before, whenever you come to the knowledge of consciousness and the ability to know about God, God, this is the gospel of God. One way is his creation. The sun rises and sets. The moon cycles. Everything that's a pattern is a pattern of God and creation. And it is a gospel to tell you that God exists, a high power exists. And when you start to appreciate that, God will send a messenger to you to get the message to you so that you have the opportunity to accept that. If you come to that knowledge that hmm, something must have put that there, but I don't care about any higher power, I care about me, and you move on, then no messenger comes. So if there is today a place where there is no message, that it is only paganism, it is because they have chosen to be that way, they have rejected the God of heaven, and you can go back and read Romans chapter 1, and they refuse to acknowledge him as God, and they serve the creature more than the creator who is to be blessed, and they start making images, and they start doing everything that their despicable minds want to do instead of following the creator. And that's why they're still in darkness. Jericho is in darkness, but there's one soul who's going to hear the word of God and says, I want that. And so now, instead of just crossing over, all of a sudden Joshua says, we got to get two spies. We got to send two messengers over to Jericho, and I, especially Jericho. I want you to look at what he says. Uh, we can go past that next slide. Give me the next one on Joshua 2. Now we get to the spies the witnesses, they go into Jericho as he, as he addresses it. He says, go over, I want to send you two witnesses. And I want you to go in there, especially to Jericho. Why? Because there's somebody waiting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they cross over, they go, they go into there. And you know the first place they go to? The only place it's mentioned. It says they go to Jericho into the house of the harlot Rahab. This isn't military men that's on furlough that's just looking for a good time. There's a purpose behind the entire plan. This is two witnesses of God going into a pagan area where there's one hope of life. And so now they come there just as God is leading them and directing them to do. And all of a sudden there's a knock on the door. And it's a couple of officers they're what you'd call G2 in the military. That's the information guys. That's the ones that are surveilling everything and watching over us like big brother. And so they got, they got this G2 that goes on. They went to the king and told the king, two men from Israel came over. They came inside our walls and they went to the harlot's house. He said, send some people over to the harlot's house and tell them we want those men. And so they knock on the door she answers the door and they said 
two men from Israel, we've been told, came right here. We told they was in your house. I don't know how she did it. But the word of God says that she was able to leave and go hide the men on her rooftop underneath the stalks of flax that she had up there laid in order. I want you to know that Rahab was a businesswoman. I'll get into this more next week. But she's no longer what that moniker says. She's believed in the God of heaven. And she's changed her life. And she's hoping for a better way. And she was waiting for this time. And so she has a rope-making business and why she has flax up there. And she is the one that's looked down upon by society. But she is now the only one that's going to be saved. And so, I don't know how she deters them, but she comes up and she hides the men and tells them to get under there, and she comes back down, and she tells the men that came. Two men did come, and I will admit right now, we may cover it better later, maybe next week. There's an advertisement. If, we're gonna, if you want to come back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. But that was the only truth she told in the whole thing was that two men did come to my house. The rest of it is made up, isn't it? But I didn't know where they came from. I didn't know what they were up to. And I think they left. By the way, I think that as, as it got dark and you were closing the gates, I think they ran and went that way. Why don't you go and follow them? Maybe you can catch up with them. All of that was not the truth. But you know what? God will forgive her of that, just like he forgives of everything else. But there's another promise of God that's Romans 8, 28, that says, even whenever I slip up and I get myself into a hard place, it says that God is able to take all things and work them together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So God's going to take this. He's going to forgive that young woman because of her faith and he is going to now work this together for his good on what's going to get ready to happen. I want you to look now. Here is the law or the doctrine of heathenism in action that I told you about. What did we start out in Hebrews? Chapter 4 says, Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. They that come to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Look at verse 8 now of Joshua chapter 2. The men, even before they laid down, she sent those officers off, diverted them, and now she goes back up to the rooftop. Those two men, even before they laid down, it said that she was back up and speaking to them, and she said what? What's the next words? Yeah, next two. What is it? I know. As you said it in the first two words. Yeah, I know. I know. Wow. Here is a woman in Jericho that's getting ready to teach these men something. She says, I know. How do you know? It's when you hear something, right? You, you come to knowledge whenever you hear something. I know that the Lord has given you the land. I, I wish these guys would have known it 39 years ago and they wouldn't have spent 39 years wandering in the wilderness, would it? But God said, it's because you were fearful and afraid and you didn't believe me, you didn't trust me. I told you I'd already given it. 
But now you got another chance. And this woman is, is now being a witness to them and says, I know that the Lord has given you, Israel, the land, and the terror of you. They were what in their sight? Grasshoppers last time we talked. Now she's saying, we are grasshoppers in your sight. The terror of your God has fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of this land are faint-hearted because of you. Verse 10. What does she say in verse 10? For I have heard. We have heard. Faith comes by hearing. They heard something. What did they hear? She says, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. Is that not powerful? I'm going to use another P word. Is that not precious? Is that not precious? These people said, God did that for you. How many Red Seas has God parted for you and I? And we just don't realize it. How many times has he taken care of us? Got us out of danger. It's because he loves us and he made a promise that he's going to always be there. You be of good courage and just go and I'm going to be there with you and no one's going to be able to come against you. He, we know the land is yours. Terror is upon us because we have heard the great works that the Lord does for you. You know what? If we would just start practicing chapter 1, verses 7 through 9 on knowing that the Lord's with us and don't be fearful and just do what I've told you to do and go evangelize the whole world and start teaching them the things in the Word of God instead of letting them dictate what society's going to be. If we would trust in that promise, what would happen? Would not fear come into them when they start seeing the great works of God and the seas parting and they're crossing over in dry land? We heard everything that went on. We are now afraid the entire land. This, the events that God did for you. Same God works in us. Same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that caused the waves to part and they crossed over lives in who? Us. Lives in us. Do you believe it? That's the whole point. She says, the Lord your God. Look at what else she says. We heard what they did to Sihon and Og. And we talked about him and his bed that was 13 and a half foot long or his coffin the week before. He said, you destroyed them. Terror has filled us. For Now listen to her confession of faith. With the mouth, confession is made. For the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven above and on the earth beneath. Is that not beautiful? I'm going to tell you, I was in tears for two days writing this when I start realizing the deep impact of this. God loved you guys so much, he did this for you. He loved us so much, he gave Jesus, didn't he? He loved you so much that he's done all this and terror has filled our heart. And the word of God came to one soul in Jericho. And the law of God said, I want to tell you something as we go on. I'm just giving these things. It's probably later on in here, but I'm going to tell you now. God loved that woman so much 
that if you remember, Joshua said, prepare victuals because in three days, within three days, we're going to cross over. But all of a sudden now, a spy has to go into the land. She's going to send them out of her house and tell them to wait how many days on the mountain before they go back so that they're not seen. You know, three days, how long was the Lord in the grave? This three keeps coming up a lot. But Joshua said, we're going to do this. And the Lord says, hold on. The Lord paused the conquest of the land that they thought was getting ready to happen within three days and it became eight days. And he paused the entire thing because there's one woman, Rahab the harlot, as she is known, that believes in me. And my doctrine, my law says that when a person comes to God consciousness and they seek my face, I bring my word to them. So before you cross over, you're going to send two messengers over to her to talk to her about me. And she says, the Lord your God, he is God. And you say, how do I know that, that that's true? That God that this is really not just spies, that these are messengers and that they're on an evangelistic thing from God without even knowing it. And he paused the entire conquest so that it happened. Well, in James, I'm glad you asked. James, he says this. Look at verse chapter 2, verse 25. Right before that, it says, there's two examples of faith he gives right here. First one's Abraham, and when he was going to offer up Isaac upon the altar... What a great example of faith that was. And then he says, likewise, or in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the what? I thought they were spies. What were they? Messengers. You know what the word messenger is too? Witness. These are two messengers, witnesses, that went to her for the gospel because of that doctrine that God is going to save everyone. And she is now the recipient of that. She believed in God. She has heard. What is faith? It's hearing when you have not ever seen. Did she see the Red Sea part? Did she see all the things that happened in the 40 years of wandering? They knew about that. Those folks would not even cross that wilderness to go from one point to another in a straight line. They would go all the way around because no one can survive in that wilderness. And they won't even cross it in a few days, let alone survive 40 years without getting sick, without your clothes and your sandals wearing out. We manna every day, water from a rock. We have heard. Now I want to tell you why the Word of God and studying these things, everybody always says, man, if I'd lived in the time of Jesus, if I'd lived in the time of Moses, I'd have such faith, but now I don't see God at work very much, so I, I just don't, I can't believe. But if I was back then, the Word of God is what's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is, it is the dynamite that saves souls. Miracles were only there to prove who Jesus was or to prove that God exists. But miracles does not produce faith. Nowhere do I see that a miracle 
produces faith. The hearing the word of God. So we would be less fortunate if we lived in that era because how many people of the ones that, cro- that saw the Red Sea part, how many of them made it over into the land of Canaan? Two out of two million. Miracles are not what faith is based upon. Faith is based upon the word of God. And this young lady says, I have heard of those things. And I believe that your God has already given you the land. And they don't even believe it. And they saw the miracles. So now, we're getting ready to close. I promise. So now as we get ready to close, the first book of the New Testament, I want to show you something else that's precious. Praise God for the one woman in Jericho who's known as Rahab the harlot. Because no woman is supposed to be mentioned in a Hebrew genealogy, especially what would be the Lord Jesus Christ, right? But I want you to look. The first chapter of the first book of the New Testament starts out this way. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brethren, And then you got a couple of more begots and you get to verse 5 and it says Salmon begot Boaz by who? He didn't have to say that, did he? And this time he left out the harlot, didn't he? The one time. Because she was a changed person. The word of God and faith changed who she was. And just like Isaac beget Jacob and Jacob Judah it could have just went on that Salman beget Boaz but no the Holy Spirit wanted us to know that one of the greatest people of faith was one that everyone else looked down upon but she believed all of Israel didn't have enough faith to believe and they saw it but faith is believing in that which you have not seen only hearing. And she heard what happened. And she said, I believe. And she stands as a monument in the lineage. The Holy Spirit told Joshua, not so fast. You're not going across the river yet. Send two messengers. Because there's a lady over there that's going to be the great, great, great grandmother of King David. And she's going to be the great, 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 however many greats of the Son of God. And he put it on pause. And he did all this so that we might believe. That's why this is written, to have that same kind of faith. You know what it says about Rahab? In Joshua 6 and 25, when they finally go and they get her, it says this, that they got her and her family in 625, and she dwells in Israel to this very day. She was, a, she was from a pagan place. Nobody else believed. Nobody else had that kind of faith. But she did. And she's in the lineage of Christ. And she dwells there to this day. So as our worship team comes on and, and returns and we get ready to close, I want to go back to where we started from. Back to verse 31 of Hebrews chapter 11. And this is kind of like a P.S., Because the Lord laid this on my heart after the study. 
when I went back into the original language of the, the Greek that was written here, something was just compelling me that there's more to this verse than meets the eye. And so I started picking it apart like we do. And this is what I found. And this is for all of you who still think you're looked down upon. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. Rahab was the only believer. And it says, by her faith, the harlot Rahab, the one that everyone looked down upon, was made fun of. Did you know that harlots had to wear certain things of certain colors, and thus we've got a scarlet rope? What was Nathaniel Hawthorne's book, The Scarlet Letter? Did you know that the harlot in the town was not to be veiled of her face? Why? She's a non-conformer. She's to be made fun of as someone who didn't conform to our standards. Think about that when you have to put that upon your face nowadays. What are they doing to you? You're a conformer. And if you don't wear it, you're a non-conformer. You're marked and, and people are now pointing at you. But there's good points in it too. I don't want to say that because it is for health and safety, but it was designed for another purpose. But there is a good purpose behind it. But they have falsehood behind it. But then, it says this. You start digging a little deeper. And it says that that one that they made fun of, Rahab the Pornay, the harlot, Pornay, in the original language, it says this, one who yields self to defilement for sake of gain, the one who the world labeled as defiled, she's the only one who did not perish out of the entire town. But then it says this, because she was a believer, but those who did not believe, even though they seemed to be good and rightful and just, says they did not believe, it says that they perished. It is the word for did not believe is apetheo. And that word means not just to not believe. And I know that you love the original language too and that you go in there a lot. He's another preacher here. It says this, apetheo means to willfully and perversely be disobedient. What did God tell him? Only stay to my word. Don't go to the right or the left and I'm with you. So what happened is, is Rahab stayed in the word. Everyone else was gone. They looked at her as the one who was perverse and to be shunned. But in God's eyes, and whose eyes matters? God's. So in God's eyes, she was the only one saved. And it says that the unbelievers and the word there is for those who are perverse and don't follow mine. They're saying you didn't conform to our standards and so we're making an example of you. And God says she had faith. That's my standard and everyone who does not have faith is willfully and perversely disobedient to me and did not conform to my way. So I ask you, who does the God of heaven smile upon? Those who follow his word, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and she is used as the example of that why. 
Because like I've been telling you, it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you come from. Jericho, we're going to find out, is the home of the moon god. That's who they were. That's what it was named after. They are the most pagan people that you could imagine. It don't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your past life was. What was she? The harlot. And like I said, the only reason that God left it there was to show his grace that out of that pagan place, the one that they looked down upon, he saved by grace. Why? Because whenever you go to Colossians chapter 2, I've told you how that baptism, he says, through faith in the operation of God, he takes away that circumcision not made with hands of your flesh, Whenever you are baptized into him, it represents the death, burial, and resurrection, and he performs an operation on you. And then when you, the continuation of that is chapter 3 and verse 1, and it says this as we're getting ready to close. Go ahead and give me that next slide, Miss T. There you go. And because you did that in faith, in faith you followed what I asked you to do by being buried in that baptism by faith. If then... You've done that, and you are raised with Christ. Seek now those things which are above. She stayed in there and dwelt there to this day. Set your mind on things above and not on this earth. For verse 3, you have died, and your life is what? Hidden. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So that when Christ, our life, appears you will appear with him in glory or when he's revealed. Look at that picture. Joshua, representing of Yeshua, goes to save the one who believes in him. And she who had been looked down upon, her life is now hidden with him. And she dwells in the land forever. Doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. When you're Christ's, he says, your life is hidden in me. Hallelujah. Is there not some praise gods? Woo! Is that not, is that not a great chapter, an example of faith for us? Let's give him all praise and glory. And Father, we just thank you for your word. It is the most important thing that you left us because it is what produces faith and that faith is what's going to allow us to be able to stand and to be able to conquer the spiritual warfare that we go through and the battles that set against us. So, Father, please, please be with us and give us this faith. Help to nurture and grow us in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his knowledge of his word. And let us apply these things so that we can hear them and believe like Rahab, and so that whenever we talk to people, we can say, God is the God of heaven and of the earth, and I have heard all of the things that he has done, and now I know he is God, and I have seen now what he's done in my life, and it changed her, it changes us, and help us to be and follow that example. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.